You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I am CJ Wolf with Healthicity, and today's guest is LaTanya McNair, and she is the Client Success Manager with Healthicity. Welcome, LaTanya. Thank you, CJ. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, where are you coming from? Remind me what uh, area of the country you're in. I am in the fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. (laughs) Viva Las Vegas. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Most listeners know I'm in the Salt Lake City area. I make it down to Vegas. It's a great place. Oh, I love it here. Oh, there's everything is happening in Vegas. That's right. Come on out. You know, come on down, (laughs) CJ. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Today's topic, we're going to talk about auditing and uh, traveling, auditing. And uh, LaTanya has a lot of experience there. But before we get into that, LaTanya, just take a minute to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into what you're doing. You know, we all kind of end up in this space from different paths. And I always think it's interesting to find out where people are coming from. Right. I agree with you, CJ. Well, I've been auditing for, oh my gosh. No, actually, I've been in healthcare for over 30 years. Wow. And uh, you must yeah. have started and, when you were one year old. Right, right. Well, you know what? I have I have some, you know, I have some interesting information for you when when we talk about how you got started in healthcare. Right. My start, my first job in healthcare was as a PBX operator for <gasps> medical exchange. I remember. And <laughs> yes, well, well, this was like an old school um, uh, PBX uh, system where the operators, I was an operator and I used old fashioned cords to connect oh physicians to their calls. Did I just date myself? <laughs> I love it. I, I probably it. totally just dated myself. But, you know, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Millennials today or, you know, auditors of today may not even know what an old fashioned uh, switchboard or they used okay. to call them cord boards back in the day. Yeah, really that's was. Funny. Yeah. But I said, man, I was like uh, just a couple of shakes away from uh, 10 cans in the string, you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> but throughout my, you know, 30 year history in healthcare, I've done everything CJ from human resources training, safety training, compliance, HIPAA and uh, privacy and security training, medical billing, coding. Uh, I worked as a marketing liaison, uh, regional financial manager and a regional wow. auditor throughout that 30 year, you know, in healthcare. Yeah, yeah. but I love what I do here at the Healthicity. They have amazing software here uh, for auditing. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so that's really interesting to know a little bit about your background. It's very broad and you have a lot of experience. Tell us a little bit how you got into auditing itself. Well, okay. So one year I was working as a um, marketing liaison and we had these regional directors that would come into different medical facilities to check on the, on the facilities. Okay. Well, one day this, um, this regional director comes in and he asked me for a um, some data. So I went to the computer and I like uh, creating Excel documents. 
Okay. So I created the data that he wanted on an Excel document and I presented it to him. Well, he was really impressed with the, with the document and because it was very professional how it was done. Okay. And one of the reasons why he was really fascinated with that Excel document was because he was previously in another office visiting and he asked someone there for the same data and the person there gave him the data in the form of a uh, handwritten sticky note. <laughs> and so, and, and, you know, so he was horrified, but, you know, and so he really liked my presentation, how professional, you know, I was. And he was like, I need this, this, this woman on my regional team. There you go. So then I was uh, promoted to a, um, I just kept getting one promotion after another because I, I was promoted to like a medical biller and coder. And then okay. I, uh, from there, I went to regional uh, finance um, doing working the whole West Coast region. I had several offices in many different states. And from there, I became a regional auditor. And so that was my start. It all started with an Excel document. Go figure. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, and I'm curious. So, you know, you have a lot of credentials certified coder and those sorts of things. Did those come early on or mid midstream or later? In it came with the, it came with the promotion because okay. they took me under their wing CJ and they said, we're, we're going to invest in this, this person here. We're going to invest in Latanya. And so from there I was trained uh, medical on medical billing and coding. And I was trained to be an auditor and I worked with some of the best auditors in the world. And they took me under their wing and they showed gotcha. me uh, what to look for and to educate me. It was amazing. Yeah, amazing. you know, mentorship and having a mentor is such a great um, thing. Uh, I, in one of our previous podcasts, I was speaking with Brian Burton about the importance of having a mentor that changed my career. Uh, and now that we're a little bit further along in our careers, we need to be mentors to others too. And so- Totally I, I, agree. Glad you've had that experience. So let's get a little bit into specifics about auditing and some questions that I think you have experience to answer. So what makes auditing tough during, let's say, like a new acquisition? Well, acquisitions can be tough, and it all depends on the facility that's being acquired. There's two type of uh, acquisitions that I consider. Some are friendly acquisitions and some are hostile. Yes. So what does that look like? What is a friendly acquisition? A friendly acquisition is one where the organization, the provider has gotten with the staff, has informed the staff that um, they're being bought out or taken over by another company. Sure. And th that position is able to soften the blow and the anxiety of the, uh, of the staff by letting them know it's going to be okay. These people are going to come in they're going to uh, make us bigger and better and greater at sure. what we do. They're here to support us. That's a friendly acquisition. Yes. <laughs> the hostile acquisition comes in where the providers don't communicate with their staff. Oh. And all of a sudden, you know, you have a team of auditors uh, kind of coming in and you're like, what's happening? And then you find out at the last minute that your organization has been bought out by another uh, company. So then that fear and that anxiety, the staff are more like, what's what's happening? What what about our jobs? Well, how do we go right. about doing things? And yeah, they don't realize question. that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's very common. So as an auditor, when, when you talk about CJ, um, 
paying it forward, going in and being that um, the person that mentor, we really serve as mentors to go in and help people to be successful. You know, we want to encourage that success in them. We don't want them to fear us, to be intimidated. We want them to bring us into their world. And as a good auditor, you really need to know your people. Let them bring you into their world and embrace you. And then you take their knowledge and your knowledge and you tweak it just a little bit so that it's not a culture shock. Sure. Right. No one likes to be bulldozed. So you don't do that to people, you know. Exactly. So when you're doing like an acquisition audit, are you doing things like for due diligence, like checking for coding liabilities from before the acquisition or operations moving forward or both? Or tell us a little bit about those specifics. Yes, you're actually doing both because, well, first of all, before you do a new acquisition, you really need to know the portfolio or the organization that you're taking over. You want to know if they're a compliant organization. You want to know if they're getting it right. You want to know if they're uh, upcoding to increase their revenue. You're going to do a little bit of homework. Well, actually a lot of it. You're going to do a lot of homework on that facility to see what type of organization. You're going to look and see if they had any previous sanctions and fines and what does that look like? You know, that type of thing. So, yeah. So you're going to do some some homework uh, in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, That makes a lot of sense. You know, I've done a lot of auditing over the years too. And I kind of put my compliance and auditing work into two buckets, proactive and reactive. A lot of times we spend so much time on reactive, we're just reacting to maybe an external audit or some sort of hotline call or allegation that's raised internally. But in the perfect world, we'd be more proactive about it. So can you talk a little bit about an approach to proactive auditing? Yes. Uh, when When you're doing things on a proactive level, CJ, you want to do your homework. You want to make sure that you're, you know, as much about that organization as possible, you know, so you're, you're going to create um, a, a checklist. Okay. So in your checklist, you're going to make sure that you're proactively running reports, uh, taking a look at clinical documentation, uh, billing records to see uh, trend. You're right. going to do a trend analysis, you know, right. You're right. going to know who your players are, you know, and their history, you know, that type exactly. of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when I did proactive auditing, I'm thinking, okay, I have a limited amount of time and resources. Let's make this, get the biggest bang for our buck. And rather than just do some random, I know random can be appropriate at times, but I would like to, like you said, get to know that provider and say, okay, what are your bread and butter services? So let's say you're a cardiologist, you know, is he doing, you know, cardiac casts all day? You know, does that mm-hmm. represent 80% of his revenue? Um, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense to kind of focus your proactive efforts on either known risks. So maybe like the OIG has some work plan item or your local Mac is doing some sort of auditing, but then also right. knowing that provider and finding out what their bread and butter services are. Would you agree with some of that? Oh, wholeheartedly. Let me, let me just uh, elaborate on that for a minute. Um, like say, for example, if I were working uh, or auditing like um, a medical oncology uh, group. Now, a medical oncology group will 100% fail an audit if their medical coders are not coding what they call um, isodose plans properly. Yeah. Okay, so isodose plans, they could be 2D, 3D, 
um, IMRT plans, right? right? Right. So in a proactive approach to make these auditors successful in what they do, I first went out to learn myself, how do I read an ISODOS plan so that I can take that knowledge back to those coders so that they don't fail these audits, right? Exactly. So I went out first, I learned, I sat with the physicists and the decimetrists. I said, teach me how to determine a 2D from a 3D from an IMRT plan. Exactly. So I took that knowledge back to my people, trained them on how to identify those. And you know, CJ, my team never failed an audit. Yeah. Ever. You know, I think what you're describing um, is similar to some of my experiences. It uh, You try to learn. And I think most people in the medical profession, doctors, nurses, you know, physicists, those sorts of folks are willing to teach. And if you approach oh gosh, them, yes. if, if you approach them the right way, you can learn a lot. You bring that back. Yes. And now there's more of a collegial type of relationship as opposed to I'm out to get you type of type of thing. It absolutely 100% correct. When people are compassionate about what they do, they will share their knowledge with you if you show some type of interest. Exactly. And I always show interest in what I'm doing because it's genuine. I really want to know because my job uh, as an auditor and as a trainer is to make sure that I have a team that's successful. Right. When they're successful, I'm successful. Right. So I do the groundwork, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. you've, you've probably learned a lot of lessons as an auditor oh, over, gosh, these, yes. over these years. What, what would you say is one of the biggest lessons you've learned as an auditor? Oh, my gosh. Um, one of the biggest lessons I ever learned, CJ, was to never uh, say anything that I cannot prove. They'll find out. <laughs> oh God, yeah. For example, I, you know, unfortunate. You know, and as auditors, we hate when people fail audits, and immediately we'll go in and say, "How can I help?" But I, I, this one provider, he failed the audit, and when someone fails an audit, you have to show them why. You have to sit down with them and show them what they're doing wrong, and you have to bring guidelines to the table to say, "I am auditing you yeah. according to the guidelines." You know. Yeah. And so once I forgot to bring the guidelines with me. Yeah. And so I was able to produce all the guidelines to show the provider why he failed the audit, except the one guideline he questioned me on and I didn't have it at that time. So, but I was able to correct that behavior and say, when I get back to the office, I'm going to email you those guidelines, you know, that type yeah, of thing. That's a good point. You know, it, it can take weeks and months and years to build credibility with providers but it exactly. can be lost in a heartbeat, right? And in so, a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. I yeah, agree. So, yeah, spot on. I, mean, I think some people that are drawn to auditing probably have some of those characteristics where they are, you know, pretty precise and they, they want to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. So I think a lot of the personalities will try to, um, to be prepared. But yeah, if you miss it once, you kind of have to rebuild that. Exactly. And you never, as an auditor, you don't want to lose credibility. You want to get it right the first time. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought it was interesting, you know, before the podcast, you, you shared that you were also a traveling auditor. Can you tell us about that? And maybe what's the craziest thing that ever happened to you as a traveling auditor? Oh my gosh. I traveled all over the world. And I think, you know, as an auditor, Sometimes we get uh, these assignments where we're in uh, like specific states for like weeks at a time. You know, sure. we're going back week after week after week. And so I remember going to this um, one hotel 
and every time I would check in, well, the staff, the receptionist, they were familiar with me. So when I would walk in with my little traveling laptop bag and they would see me coming in, they would always welcome me. Welcome back. You know, they would tell me, you know, welcome back. And they would just give me my hotel key and off I go to my room. Right. And so (laughs) weeks at a time, this would happen, you know, welcome back. Here's your key. And I would go off to my room. Well, this one day I walk in, same reaction. The receptionist says, welcome back. I said, thank you. She goes, here's your key. So I take the key and I'm off down the corridor to go to my room. And she says, oh, by the way, your husband's in the room waiting for me, for, <laughs> waiting for you. I was like, what? You know, so I stopped dead in my trap. I said, what's my name? I said, what's my name? I look at her. I said, what's my name? And she goes, aren't you blah, blah, blah. And I go, no. <laughs> CJ, she gave me the room key to a man who was in that room waiting for his wife to come. Oh my goodness. Yes. And what was ironic, I know, I know. Well, what was ironic about that whole situation is, so the receptionist tells me the man was a traveling, uh, he was a traveler like I would, and he frequent that hotel weekly, same as I. Okay. And, And the kicker is he had a wife so they tell me, look just like me. Wow. So they would always get us mixed up. They would okay. always get us mixed up. I would always get his like uh, folio um, for his room <laughs> charges. He would get mine. I mean, they just could not get it together. I mean, they always mixed us up. But like you were saying, thank, it, it, thank God I didn't walk into that room on that man. That would have been like a nightmare. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's so funny. Yeah, you know, I did. It sounds like you've done a lot more traveling than I have. I I traveled a little bit, and I remember once um, coming back from a consulting trip, my flight was really early, like it was like at four thirty in the morning. So I was oh, at wow. the hotel, and I set my alarm, but I must have hit snooze a couple times. And I literally, when I noticed the time, I had twenty two minutes before my flight was departing, and I was oh, still in my bed. Gosh. Oh, I my made gosh. it though. I just like, fortunately I had everything (laughs) packed and I just needed to get dressed. I ran out of there. The hotel was close to the airport. I got, I ran through security. I was running the whole way. I was the last person on the plane and I made it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. Oh my gosh. Wow. Have you, what's the craziest thing that's happened to you at an airport? Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, I had a connecting flight. And it was in one of those states where it was just cold and windy and rainy. And for something happened and they had to ground all flights. And this particular connecting flight, it was in the middle of the night. So yes. once they grounded all the flights, they closed the airport. So we were like a herd of cattle trying to get to uh, various airports. We were just being shuttled over to various airports. So I wasn't very seasoned to know how to, you know, um, uh, have a carry-on luggage. So I had checked my bag. So when I got to the hotel, I was cold. I had no clothes. I didn't have my bags. I was miserable. I had no luggage. And I actually had to sleep in one of the hotel towels because I had no luggage. It was, I was miserable. So that, that was one of the craziest things that ever happened to me when they closed that airport and I had no luggage. I was like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> that does sound terrible. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, 
So I'm interested a little bit more in, in some of the other lessons you've learned as a, as a traveling auditor. What can you talk okay. about in regard to that in general? Well, you know what? Okay. So between uh, the airline, um, uh, the flights being grounded and, and me having to, you know, sleep in the hotel with no, you know, with, without my, my clothes, right. uh, you know, once the airline lost my luggage and then I had to show up to my uh, corporate office in a tank dress and flip flops because the <laughs> airline lost my luggage for two days. Oh, no. And uh, and then once I wasn't like you, CJ, I actually missed the connecting flight because um, I wasn't seasoned and I wasn't paying attention to the time zone differences. Oh, right. Oh, and uh, yeah, the time zone thing got me all caught up and I actually missed the connecting flight once, you know. Right. But I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned, CJ, was how to travel with um, carry on luggage. I remember once I was traveling with like a regional team. I, I'm, I'm talking big executives I'm traveling with. And when we got to our final destination, everyone, I held up the whole team because uh -oh. I had a check bag. So when we got to our destination, we couldn't hit the ground running. Everyone had to go to the luggage carousel to wait on my bag. I was horrified. I was like, oh my God, Latanya, you're holding up a whole regional team. <laughs> so what I ended up doing was I hired, well, I didn't hire a good friend of mine came over to teach me how to pack so wow. that I could carry, so that I can pack my luggage to learn how to use one carry-on bag, right? Sure, sure. So I learned how to, to roll my clothing, how to uh, pack clothing that didn't get wrinkled, how to um, uh, travel with travel size uh, toiletries, things of that nature, things that made it conducive to uh, having a carry on bag. Right. Yes. And so that was that was one of the huge lessons learned about traveling is, you know, hand carry on that bag. Don't check yeah, your luggage. Exactly. You know? ha have something, you know, I, what I always would do is if I was going to be staying for a while and I had to check a bag, I always made sure I had at least one day's worth of something that I would need, you know, like professional dress or whatever. And um, that can, that can help. So as an auditor, you're dealing probably with, um, you know, paper copies of patients' records, Maybe you're traveling yeah. with that. I don't know. Or like a laptop and EPHI, you know, as compliance professionals, we want to make sure we're um, staying compliant with HIPAA. Any tips that you recommend as far as kind of traveling with, with HIP, HIPAA type of issues? Exactly. Exactly. Now, when we talk about HIPAA, security, privacy, and safety, oh my gosh, I remember one day, CJ, going through, you know how... Um, TSA has to scan all your laptops. You have to put your laptop in the bin right. and they have to scan that through. Well, here I go. I put my company laptop in one of those bins and now I'm on the other side. I'm waiting for my laptop to come through. And I notice that two laptops are coming out of that little uh, scanner uh -oh. and they're identical. Uh -oh. The laptops are identical. And so there's a man standing there and he grabs this laptop that looks just like mine. And so I'm like, wait, hold up. <laughs> yes. I said, I need you to open that laptop. I said, because inside my laptop, CJ, was my name. I had a, a label with okay. my name, Smart. but it was on the inside of my laptop. 
Okay. And, uh, but I would, and so he did, and, and I, and the other laptop comes through and I open that one. I go, okay, we're good. You can go now, <laughs> Good. you know, but I think the, the, one of the biggest lessons learned from that is, you know, I'm thankful that I had my name in the inside of the laptop, but if I wanted to double down on that, I would put a label on the outside of my laptop. Also. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah, Maybe just like to a, easily identify it. Yeah. yeah a, a neon purple sticker or something, something to say, that's my laptop. And, you know, um, I deal a lot with, with clients when like HIPAA security and those sorts of things. And one of the number one reasons for breaches nowadays is a stolen or lost laptop. That's unencrypted. If it's encrypted mm-hmm. you and you're encrypting to a certain level, it's not mm-hmm. going to be a, deemed a breach because it's very, very low probability of, of anyone getting that information. And you wouldn't even necessarily have to report it to OCR because if it's encrypted appropriately. And so I, I'm sure you probably would recommend similar things, making sure thumb drives and anything that oh, you're transporting gosh, yes. are all encrypted. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes CJ, when we have a, a lot of downtime when we're traveling, depending on where we're going, and so often um, we, when we are uh, ha- have a layover uh, flight, we'll pop open those laptops and we'll, yeah. we'll work. And so one of the, the biggest things that I've learned is to never use uh, one of those charging stations because um, people were, uh, hackers were doing things ah. at those charging stations. So you never want to use a charging station because there were like um, bypass yeah. devices I that see. they were using and so if you charge, uh-huh. you put, you know, if you plug into those yes. and there's a bypass device, these people are still in information, downloading wow. information from your computer. So I learned to always plug into the wall, you know, plug yep. in to the wall if you're going to be working at a, at a um, smart in the airport, you know, and um, and then also I learned. Um, you know, it's very common for people just to sit and open up their laptop and people are walking behind you. Right. And they're, I mean, they're seeing everything you're seeing, right? Yeah. So CJ, I would always make sure that my back is against the wall. Yeah. So no one can look over my shoulder to see what I'm looking at. You know, that whole thing with the whole privacy yeah. and security, you know. What, one of my yeah. favorite cartoons that I've shared in some compliance presentations I've done is a, a cartoon of two gentlemen sitting on a plane and one is working on his laptop and the other one looks over and says, you spelled confidentiality wrong. Oh my. <laughs> so, to your, to wow. your point, right? To your point, you don't want uh-huh. people, you know, even just peeking over and that sort of thing. <laughs> no, you really don't. Yeah, good good point. I love but, it. So <laughs> let me ask you, because you have so, many, so much experience in auditing, what would you say are some of the most common audit problems um, when you're auditing records? I mean, you Obviously, each one is going to be a little different, but you've probably come across some very common mistakes and errors. Yes. Well, you know, sometimes um, medical coders and and medical office staff, they get a little, you know, intimidated, especially if they know the auditor is coming uh, to that office. And so one of the things that they like to do, unfortunately, CJ, is they like to hide medical record charts from the auditor. Uh-oh. Well, in today's day, they can't get away from, they can't uh, do that so much in today's day because right. everything is on, you know, a server, electronic you know, it's records, yeah. electronic uh, health records. So you right. can't hide information from the auditors anymore. 
Uh, but a, a good auditor will always know their audit and you would always pre-audit before you even go into um, a medical facility. But uh, one of the biggest um, auditors always cringe when providers are using templates, those mm -hmm. copy and paste templates, you know, yes. because we can detect cloning immediately, you know, yeah. where your, your, your HPI doesn't even match with um, your examination uh, components. Yeah. And it's so evident that you're copy and pasting one record over from another. And we, I was like, can they outlaw templates? You know, those standardized yeah. templates that allows them to copy and paste because they don't read. You know, they're just yeah. copying over. And I'm like, that didn't pertain to this visit, you know? Yeah, well, and I've even <laughs> seen like where, um, a provider may have copied from, let's say two different patients that had similar um, presentations clinically. And so they copied mm -hmm. a really nice note from another patient because they knew mm -hmm. that clinically a lot of the key information was in there and then they pasted it. But what was funny is they pasted it um, from a younger woman who, who was pregnant to mm -hmm. like an 85 year old. And you're wow. like, wait, she's pregnant? And so you're like, oh, no, wait, no, I didn't mean that. And so it's like, to your point, you know, I, you know, they're from a, I'm a clinician by training, so I can understand the desire to, you know, use good documentation from someplace else to save you time. But to your point, right. you have to read it. You have to make sure it's specific to that patient. Um, you right. have to make sure it's accurate because you're attesting exactly. to its accuracy. So, exactly. Yeah. And to yeah. your point, CJ, I once had a provider uh, document that he checked the uh, prostate of a female patient. And I go, okay. <laughs> That's a miracle. That's a sign. <laughs> Let's Let write that you one how, to, how, to, how to amend this document, you know, yeah, make a that, correction here, you know. Yeah, you like, would write okay. that one. I'm up, write that up in a medical journal as a case study, a woman with a prostate. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, this is a nightmare waiting to happen. So when we talk about the biggest problems is it would be with that template. Copy Cloning and thing. stuff. What about Cloning. things like uh, physician orders? I've seen that as an issue. Um, oh, you know, gosh. Incomplete. Those yeah. Sorts of things. In, incomplete orders. For some reason, I don't, I'm like, they'll start uh, the order, but they'll never finish it. And I'm like, oh, come on. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, that or you'll, you know, you're right in the middle of an audit and you'll find that the, the consents are missing. Uh, treatment plans are missing. You know, that maybe the billing was incomplete or even fraudulent. Unfortunately, you know, I've come across um, fraudulent billing, CJ. Yeah. Any no, specific yeah. examples on that that comes out? I mean, obviously you don't want to share information you can't, but just general things like, what are they like modifiers or it wasn't performed uh, or documenting no. that it was performed? What types it, of things? It was, it, it was worse than that, CJ. It was um, where the provider was actually performing one type of surgery, uh, but documenting uh, a more extensive type uh, of uh, surgery. Gotcha. Yeah, I actually just yeah. read a, a press release from the DOJ about a, a physician that was scheduling kind of um, more basic hysterectomies and then mm -hmm. 
when they would get in there, they were doing radical hysterectomies to kind of upcode the procedure. And exactly. so that was an example of where, you know, a physician, I mean, they're putting patients' health at risk when they're going from a, you know, from a basic hysterectomy to a radical hysterectomy and then, you know, billing for it. And I mean, so I think those are kind of flat out fraud type of things as well. Exactly. And then there's no cause for that. I mean, because if you're a surgeon, you're automatically going to make a certain amount of money. There's no cause to doing that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? And we, and all due respect to whistleblowers, because whistleblowers will bring that type of information to the forefront and then auditors will go in and audit to make sure that, uh, to, to validate if that was true or not, you know? Yeah, exactly. As a compliance officer, as I've run compliance programs, one of the most important things that I felt was making sure the culture was such that people could speak up, um, and, and internally report. And I always appreciated, even if I got reports that turned out not to be substantiated, at least people mm-hmm. felt comfortable to raise concerns because, and quite mm-hmm. frankly, most reports that we would get reported, the person just didn't know the full story. And as you dug deeper, it was fine what was going on. But the only way you're going to uncover those truly fraudulent and non-compliant issues are to get people to feel comfortable reporting. And so... Um, having a system internally that, that does that is a really important aspect of a compliance program. It really is. And you know what, CJ, me being a uh, certified, uh, I'm a certified compliance officer as well. And uh, when I teach compliance, I always make sure that the staff knows, uh, see something, say something. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And, it doesn't and we hurt. want a culture that's that yeah. way, you know? Yeah. Right. And it doesn't hurt if it doesn't turn out to be something. And like I said, most of them don't. People Usually people maybe don't know the full story or they don't have the full history or something, but having them speak up lends to that culture of, of reporting. Uh, Latanya, we're, we're kind of coming to the end here and I want to make sure I'm giving you opportunity to, to share anything else that, that you want to share. Um, tell me, maybe I'll end with this question and then you can be thinking if there's anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to share. Um, so you're now working with Healthicity's audit manager. Tell us a little bit about that and 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 your work with that product and, and why you like it and, and how you think it can help people. Okay. Well, you know, CJ, as I was telling you earlier, with my 30-year history in healthcare, uh, when I first started out as an auditor, everything was, was manual. We had to manually pull the charts. We had exactly. to create... <laughs> Um, the uh, auditing tool, we had to manually score the audit. Uh, We had to manually create everything was paper, 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 paper. And when I uh, took a look at the Healthicity's audit manager, it it was like heaven. I was like, all of the work that we used to do manually was now in an electronic form that was so professionally uh, done that was customized, right. especially for the auditor. It was amazing. I loved it. The, the, it was user-friendly. It was so easy to go in and score. Yes. It was so easy to create the reports uh, for uh, reporting, uh, to show uh, patterns and trends, and actually to use uh, different drafts so that you can show um, the provider Okay, these this is what you were doing, and this is what you should have been doing according yeah. to your medical record uh, documentation. Amazing difference. I love the audit manager. I'm a huge advocate. 
right? And so now you spend a lot of your time working with clients, right? With um, teaching them how to use it and that, that sort of thing. Teaching them how to use the audit manager and how easy it is and how to customize uh, various reports within the audit manager. Nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. Well, did I, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to share with our listeners? This has been wonderful and time always flies. <laughs> I know. Look, time flies when you're having fun, you know. Um, you know what, CJ, I also um, serve uh, for health Healthicity as a uh, subject matter uh, subject matter expert. expert. Yep. So I have lots of people blogging to me if they have any uh, questions or concerns. They want to know how to do... Um, a certain type of uh, billing or are they coding something correctly? They, they can always reach out to me. And I'm so willing to help people because it's all about the success, the success yes. of the people, the success of the organization, and to make sure that the organization is a compliant organization. Exactly. It means a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, but well, no, I totally appreciate you, CJ. It's been yes. Latanya. <laughs> so we've been spending time with Latanya McNair, Healthicity's client success manager, dealing with uh, audit manager product. And it has been wonderful talking to you and learning from you. And uh, I hope our listeners will will reach out to you. And, and maybe, you know, when the timing's right, we have you back as another as another guest. So thank you so much. I, I would love that. I would love that, CJ. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And thank you to all our listeners for listening to another episode of Compliance Conversations. Uh, until next time, be safe and, and be happy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thank you, CJ. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healththecity.com.